The last time we were together, we looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, talking about this elect group. And they showed their election, they proved they belonged to God because of their faith and their hope and their love. Now, before we move into the next section, I would like to recommend something to you. Many of you listening to me are Bible students. Get your concordance out and you trace in the New Testament all of the places where you find faith, hope, and love together. Now, get that. Remember to do it. Several times in the New Testament, we find faith, hope, and love linked together. And uh, all the way through the Word. These are the marks of salvation. Uh, and you find them in your concordance, and I know it'll be a blessing to you. Well, chapter 1 tells us how the church at Thessalonica was born. And we've discovered in verses 1 through 4, 1 through 5, that this was an elect group. Verses 1 through 5, an elect group, chosen of God. Now, we noticed in verse 5 that uh, God had a special way of getting his word to this group. There are two sides to election. There is what God plans for us and what God does for us. And God had a number of people in this little town of Thessalonica that he was going to save, make them his people. How did he go about doing it? Well, verse 5 tells us, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Now, verse 5 tells me how God gets the gospel to people. You have here the essentials of New Testament evangelism. Now, all of us ought to be concerned about evangelism. I can't believe that a person would truly be born again and not have a concern to win souls. You may be a member of some Sunday school class or some church. I want to ask you, do you win souls? Do you pray for the lost? Do you have a list of people you're praying for? Do you seek to witness to people? You know, one of the best ways for your life to stay close to God is to be a soul winner. When a person's trying to win souls, he's careful where he goes. He's careful what he says and how he acts. You know, it's a tragic thing when you make a visit in a home and someone says, well, is so-and-so a member of your church? Well, yes, he is. Well, if that's what you've got down there, I'm not interested. Some people are very poor advertisements for the gospel. Now, in verse 5, we have the essentials of New Testament evangelism. There are five of them. You may want to write them down. I'll give them to you right now. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, we have the essentials of New Testament evangelism. God uses, first of all, men. God uses men. Secondly, God uses men with a message. Thirdly, God uses men on the move. Our gospel came unto you. Fourthly, God uses men who are models of the faith. You know what manner of men we were among you. And fifth, God uses men with right motives. Now, these are the five essentials of New Testament evangelism. God, first of all, uses men. Our gospel came unto you. You know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. How did God get people saved in Thessalonica? Well, look at verse 1. And you'll find the names of three men, Paul and Silas and Timothy. Paul and Silas and Timothy came to Thessalonica. God uses men. Now, God doesn't use angels. In the book of Acts, chapter 8, an angel said to Philip, the evangelist, go on down 
to Gaza in the desert. There's a man down there who needs to be saved. Now, the angel could have gotten there faster than Philip. Philip had to uh, take a chariot and go down there, but uh, the angel could have just uh, blinked his eyes and been there. Why didn't the angel go talk to that man about how to be saved? Do angels know how to be saved? Yes, they do. But you see, God has not commissioned angels to carry the gospel. He's commissioned men. In Acts chapter 10, an angel says to uh, uh, Cornelius, you send up to uh, Joppa and uh, you get Peter and let Peter come down here and tell you how to be saved. Now, why didn't the angel tell Cornelius how to be saved? He would like to. I tell you, if God would give the angels just five minutes a year to have the privilege of getting people saved, they'd win the world. Angels wouldn't waste time. They'd, get out, they'd go out and get it done. But you see, God has committed the word to you and me. God uses man. Now, God doesn't use angels, and God doesn't use the impersonal tools that men manufacture. I believe in literature. I have written a number of books and tracts and magazine articles. I thank God for literature. I thank God for our Calvary book room that helps to distribute good Christian literature. I thank God that the sermons and Bible studies of great men have been preserved in print. But you know, a gospel tract or a book is not a substitute for a man. A movie is not a substitute for a man. God uses men. Now, God doesn't use some big overgrown organization. God used individual men. Three men, three men came to Thessalonica. One day, Paul and Silas and Timothy came into town and no brass band met them. Nobody rolled out the red carpet, but they were God's ambassadors. You know, whenever I go visiting, I have to remind myself not to be embarrassed because I'm visiting, not to be ashamed because I'm visiting. Rather, I ought to say, you people should be glad because one of God's ambassadors has come to see you. When I knock on that door or ring that doorbell, I shouldn't do it with a persecution complex or an inferiority complex, nor should you. We are God's ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ. And God beseeches people through man. So God uses man, and God expects every Christian to be an evangelist. Now, you may not have the calling of an evangelist, nor do I. I'm called to be a pastor and a teacher. But Paul wrote to Timothy and said, do the work of an evangelist. The responsibility of every Christian is to win souls to Jesus Christ. Not to pay the bills for other people to win souls. Not just to pray that other people will win souls. The responsibility of every Christian is to be a soul winner. And the greatest need in our churches today is for people to get out of their easy chairs and turn off the television and go out and knock on doors and talk to people about Jesus Christ. You know, it's a real joy to visit people and tell them how to be saved. I believe that all over this area there are people waiting for someone to come and tell them how to be saved. And for us not to share it is a, is a sin. It's wicked. So God uses men. You say, well, God can't use me. Yes, he can. If you have the Holy Spirit living within you, that ho the, the same Holy Spirit who lives in you can fill you. That's how to become a witness. Acts 1.8, ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. Power to be witnesses comes from the Holy Spirit. So the first essential is men. God uses men. Now, what kind of men? Men with a message. Not just men with a song or men with some kind of entertainment, men with a bunch of jokes and stories. No, no, men with a message. Remembering, says Paul, that our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. He brought the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? 
Don't let anybody ever confuse you or fool you on the gospel. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the gospel. You better mark it in your Bible. All kinds of radio preachers are trying to tell folks what the gospel are, what the gospel is, and, and they're wrong, many of them, because they don't know what the gospel is. Now, here it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which you're saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that means of first importance, that which I also received. Paul didn't manufacture the gospel. He didn't invent it. It was given to him by Jesus Christ. That which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of witnesses. This is the gospel. The gospel is not the bad news that men are going to hell. The gospel is the good news that men don't have to go to hell because Jesus died for their sins. Now, the gospel is the most important message we have. Paul said, I delivered unto you first of all. That means of first importance. The most important message we have is the gospel. Every time I preach, I must preach the gospel. That doesn't mean that every message has to be an evangelistic message, but every message ought to be a soul-winning message. If I'm preaching on tithing, I ought to preach the gospel. If I'm preaching on prayer, I must preach the gospel. In the church that I pastor, we don't close a service without giving people the opportunity to receive Christ. We don't spend 25 minutes doing this, but we give people the opportunity to respond to the gospel. Now, these men, when they came, were men with a message. People need the gospel. Now, we are not prosecuting attorneys going around telling people how sinful they are. We are not judges going around telling people how wicked they are. God did not call you to be a judge or a prosecuting attorney. He called you to be a witness. Now, what is a witness? A witness is one who tells what he knows, what he has experienced. If you have experienced Jesus Christ in your heart, then you can share him with others. A person does not have to go to college and seminary. He doesn't have to spend 20 years studying the Bible. If he knows Christ is his Savior, he can go out and tell other people what Jesus has done for him. That blind man in the Gospel of John, he said, whether Jesus be a sinner or no, I know not. I don't know much about him. But this one thing I know, that whereas once I was blind, now I see. Now, you may not know a lot about theology and Bible study, but this much you know, if you're saved, you've got the message because you've experienced in your heart. Now, when Paul preached this message, it wasn't just words, there was power. For our gospel came, unto you, came not unto you in word only, but also in power. There are people who say, well, uh, the word of God will do its work. That's right, if the power of God is at work. And we're going to see a little later on why the power of God often does not work. The Word of God is a living thing. The Holy Spirit of God takes the Word of God. He works in the heart of the witness. He works in the heart of the listener. It's an amazing thing. There are times when you're witnessing for Jesus Christ when the Holy Spirit just moves in and takes over. There are times when you preach the gospel and the Holy Spirit just moves in and takes over. God uses men. God uses men with a message. Men who know what they're talking about. Thirdly, God uses men who are on the move. He says, our gospel came. Uh, we didn't write you a letter, although he was writing them a letter now. He said, we came to you. Now, the gospel goes to man and has to keep on going. The responsibility we have is to be on the move. Paul didn't sit in Antioch. He said, let's go on a missionary journey. 
Paul didn't stay in Philippi. He didn't stay here or there. He moved. Now, Paul was a missionary. I grant you this. Paul had to go from city to city as the Lord led him to minister the word of God. But, you know, you and I need to be on the move, and we are on the move at work, in the neighborhood, in the store. I've had opportunities to witness to people while I'm getting my uh, gas tank filled up in my car at the filling station. I've had opportunities to witness while standing in the line at a supermarket. You don't get on a soapbox and make a fool out of yourself. You just simply give a good witness for the Lord. Do you carry tracts with you in your pocket? To me, a tract is not a substitute for a witness. It's a supplement to a witness. Many times after you've talked to somebody about the Lord, you can say, here, read this, and God will use that gospel tract plus your witness. Man on the move. Now, Paul asked the question in Romans chapter 10, how shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall they preach except they be sent? People have to be sent. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two to witness, to perform miracles. We send missionaries out uh, for uh, the heathen to be able to hear the word. The average church member today moves from home to church and back to home again. He never moves out to go calling. Why is it you have a chicken dinner in your church and people come out from no everywhere? You announce a calling program and you think that uh, there's a diphtheria epidemic. Nobody shows up. What's the matter with people? It's because they don't have a burden for souls. That's what's the matter. And God uses men. God uses men with a message. And God uses men who are on the move. Paul says, publicly and from house to house, I ministered the word of God. Now, we need more of this today. You know, our, our evangelical Christian people complain because of false cults. They say, well, these cultists are growing. You know why they're growing? They're on the move. They go from door to door with literature. They go from door to door with a witness. They're, they're out doing something. Instead of uh, Christian people sitting around complaining, we ought to get up and get out and get going. He that goeth forth and weepeth, Bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Well, we've seen three of the characteristics, three of the essentials of New Testament evangelism. Men, men with a message, men on the move. The Lord willing, in our next lesson, we'll find the other two characteristics, and may the Lord bless the word to our hearts. Well, this is Pastor Warren Wearsby of Calvary Baptist Church, thanking you for listening. I trust you'll tune in again next time when together we'll find out what's the good word.